Blog Talk Radio. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Jason Strata, man, he told me, man, it's a sin. Just as much as a sin as killing a person and stealing and everything else, it's a sin for me not to be doing what I'm doing. If I chose to take the easy way out, knowing that I have to give. Everybody can rap, but only a few get in these positions, you know, where they can really speak, you know, to a generation of people and, you know, have them follow most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family, never forgetting where we came from. See, you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or ain't nobody to be right back. Good to have you back, you know, man. 
Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm happy to be back, man. I'm a little under the weather this morning, but um, I'm ready to dive into these topics, man. Let's go. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll bring you out of that funk in a minute. I think I got some stuff for you to bring you, bring you out of that weather. Uh, we got Jay Reels on the line, too. What's up, Jay? What's up, y'all? What's up, Tom? Tom <laughs> back. Good, it's, it's good to hear your voice, Tommy Paul. Back from the grave. <laughs> you already know, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to be back. Um, we're waiting on uh, uh, Lawrence. He should, she should be on any second now. Um, we'll wait on him to to come on. Um, but it, let's just get right down to to business, shall we? Uh, we've got a lot to cover today in all three of our segments. Um, obviously, first and foremost, we want to dive right into uh, the NBA Conference Finals. Obviously, last night, Game Two in Miami. Um, the Indiana Pacers come out victorious, 97-93, um, a game very similar to Game 1 in what transpired in terms of how it came down to just really a few, a handful of possessions there down the stretch. Um, out victorious. Another, another three game, um, you know, everybody is is see, uh, encouraged that this series might be a bit more entertaining, a bit more challenging rather um, than, ex- than expected uh, beforehand. Um, Indiana has shown great resilience and toughness, and I, I am personally um, impressed with the kind of effort that we saw last night after the game one panned out um, to go into overtime in Miami. You know, a lot of events, you know, that were talked about between game one and last night's game, those last few possessions when Frank Frank Vogel decided to take out Roy Hibbert on the last couple possessions there on game one. Obviously, LeBron finished the game with a game-winning layup there in game one. Last night did a little bit differently. Um, uh, Tom, since you're making your your big return, um, you know, I'll, I'll... I'll have you break ground first on um, on this series. Um, you know, just general a start discussion up on the on the Miami Indiana series, the Eastern Conference Final. My thoughts are um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pinpoint what what I, what my thoughts are because I'm a LeBron James fan um, first and foremost, even from the days back in Cleveland, and you, you can't. You can't just ignore the fact that he continuously gives people, gives critics fuel for their arguments as to why he's not the best player in the game. You know, he had, um, what's his name? Um, um, I'm drawing a blank right here, but um, guy on the Pacers, he, he gives them the game and on a silver platter. Lance Stevenson is who I'm talking about. He gives them the game in the fourth quarter on the silver platter, turning the ball over left and right, and LeBron James comes back down the floor, makes a makes a careless pass at the end of the game with about 30 seconds left. David West steals it. Then the last play of the game, he comes down, gets into the paint, he's within five feet of the rim, turns it over again, and it, it's it's not a cause for major concern, major panic, in my opinion. But it just annoys me that I, as, such a, as such a LeBron 
fan and supporter that he does things like that in situations where he he could have made much better quality decisions to put his team in position to win a game like that. But you got to give the Pacers a lot of credit. Uh, Paul George is, is has embraced the challenge, has accepted the challenge to take on LeBron James one-on-one. And we're seeing a, a superstar being born right before our, before our eyes, right on center stage. You know, that dunk he had on Birdman, I mean, oh, my God. Lord. Lord. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for a, a beginning first eight minutes of the fourth quarter by LeBron James, that, that might have been the – that might have shut down the game right there, but um, the Pacers—they're ready for the challenge, man. They—they're—they're they're imposing their will on the inside. They're, they're taking advantage of what they what works for them. Um, they, both games have been to their pace, and it's—it's it's impressive. But I, I just would like to see the Heat really put their foots on their neck. Uh, yeah, I think. It's hard for me to say. I I don't completely agree with you know all those people who who have been so uh, encouraged that this, you know. And of course, you know, when a series gets tied up, the the first thing you hear people say, see people say on Twitter is, "Well, now we've got a series." Well, guess what? I'm still of the mindset that this series is is a means to an inevitable end. And what I mean by that, and even watching the game last night, you know, I'm sitting there and I was watching it briefly with my father. And, and you know, as those last few possessions come down towards the end of the game, you know, in, 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 in a matchup with Miami and Indiana, the only thing I can think of when I watch the game is, well, when it comes down to it, Miami has two great players. And Indiana has a few good players. And Tommy, you touch, you know, you say that, and it's true. Paul George, at 23 years old, and a lot is asked of him, and he's made a huge improvement. I mean, he's one most improved player this year for a reason. He's, he's much more matured now, and he's seen. Apologies for technical difficulties. Um, we are back on, I believe. Uh, I still have Tommy and Jay here. Um, apologies again, technical difficulties. We were dropped uh, briefly, uh, but I'm back now. Uh, 
to kind of summarize what I'm saying, I I'm nervous for Indiana because we saw this in the conference semifinals last year. They went, they even took the two-one lead. They went back to Indiana in Game Three and and got the first game in Indiana. Ended up losing three games straight and losing the series to Miami in six. Miami went on to the conference finals. Um, again, I think this is a much improved. Indiana team with a much improved star in Paul George. I think they're taking advantage of the things that need to be taken advantage of when you go against the Miami Heat. I talk about it all the times with their 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 weaknesses that are too often overlooked. Um, but uh, but when you when you watch it, when you see a team like Indiana go up, the the glaring disadvantage is the size advantage. Indiana has won the battle on the glass, which is what they have to do. They've been able to score inside with with I mean has really emerged and I, and I think after this series people will really kind of understand the significance of Roy Hibbert as an NBA center um on both ends of the floor I, I'm I'm still I'm still sticking with my general conception that it takes stars to beat stars in the end and and, and this goes to a, a bigger point with Miami that I that I'm sticking with that I've said all year if if Dwayne Wade is not Dwayne Wade, uh, Miami, I think this series might go to seven. I'm still not. I wouldn't say Miami would drop this series without without a 100% Dwayne Wade because I think they can really just get by with LeBron being LeBron and Dwayne kind of just cruising along. But in the end, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to really take this series seriously, and that. that Tommy, we talked about it this week. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't see. It, it takes a concerted effort every game. I mean, Indiana is going to have to play exactly the way they played last night. And look, they're going to need a little bit of luck. I mean, they got some luck last night. Chalmers missed some open shots. Ray Allen missed every three-point attempt he took. Uh, Shane Battier has struggled throughout the playoffs. So that those that three-point threat that Miami is so used to, I'm pretty sure the stat, they only went 7 of 22 from three last night. They usually hit about 10 or 11 threes a game. Um, so without that dynamic, Miami obviously struggles. Um, they didn't get much from their other guys. It's zero points from Shane Battier, three points from Norris Cole, um, seven points from Birdman, who's been able to contribute. He was perfect in game one. He was perfect in last night, too. Two for two from the field. But, again, uh, LeBron LeBron is great. And, and if it weren't for those two turnovers that Tommy alluded to at the end of the game, they probably would have won the game. Um, but I'm still, I'm, I still have my, I'm still skeptical, and I'm still reserved. It's still hard for me to make an argument. As well as Indiana has played, as tough as they are, as much as they are able to expose those those inner flaws of the Miami Heat, it's. It, I still struggle with this series because, again, it takes stars to beat stars, and and I I can't help but think that this it's just it's just leading up to an inevitable end that we we all know what the outcome is, and in that sense, I almost resent it. Um, uh, Lawrence, you're on the line with us. Give us thoughts on the on the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I mean, I've, I've certainly been happy with it so far. I mean, we've seen two pretty good basketball games uh, so far this series. So, I mean, I can't say I'm I'm disappointed or I, I really feel any sort of way at this point. I'm I am still excited about it. Uh, I'm going to probably align myself with some of the optimists here and say that I mean the Pacers can make this a series. They 
they took the Heat seven last year. You talked about that. And, I mean, the, it's obvious that they can play with the Heat. They almost won the first game, realistically. The Heat shouldn't have been in that predicament. But at the same time, they almost won the first game, just gave up a layup for the win. And the second game, they they took care of business in Miami. Going back to Indiana for two games, it's 2-2-1-1-1 two, two, uh, two, two, one, one, one still. Is that yeah. still the setup? Yep. Yeah. I mean, home court advantage, two straight games, it's going to be hard for Miami to go there and win. I mean, it, it's certainly not going to be a walk in the park, and that's what we all we could hope for the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm glad that the Pacers have finally started to insert themselves. I mean, Paul George is making a case to, to be one of the better players in the league. Like, he, he is becoming a superstar realistically before our eyes, and that's awesome. And, I mean, I'm going to – I'm going to keep looking at this series with as much optimism as is possible. I did pick Miami to win in six. So, I mean, I think when it's all said and done, we Miami will probably win this series. And, and I haven't forgotten that at all. But at this point, I'm just going to, to watch it and hope the Pacers win some games. Because if they, if they can pull off the series, I would, I would be just as happy realistically. Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, so I am, I'm more than optimistic about the Pacers. Okay. I, I picked, I picked Miami and I think six as well. And my gut keeps telling me that it's, that it's going to be Miami and my, my, my basketball intellect, I guess, is, is, is telling me that Miami's going to, they just have too much for, for everybody. <laughs> so, so that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm still that's still my my gut feeling, mm-hmm. but I'm becoming more optimistic, and 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 for a couple reasons. I don't think Dwayne Wade's healthy. Right. Um. I think he's playing okay. You know, he's averaging in the two games. He's averaging sixteen and a half points. Um. He's averaging five rebounds or six rebounds, um, and five assists in the two games and 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 close to two steals a game. So. Um, I don't think he's playing terribly. I just don't think he's doing weight. And I think that's what Miami's going to need, especially on the road, to go to Indiana and beat them because now they have to beat them at home. And I, I, this series, Martin, this this series should be 2-0 Indiana to, sure. to me. I would agree. So... This is this is no cakewalk that 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 Miami has in front of them with this Pacer team. They have one thing that Miami is is just they can't do much with, and they have size and physicality inside. And that Shane, that little lineup that they that they like to play a lot with Shane Battier, David West is not having that. Yeah. And Shane Battier is not hitting shots, so yeah. so so it doesn't work. So it's not, so it's not working, and that's that lineup that really opens the floor up. You know, they have their spacing, they have their shooters in the corner, they have LeBron either in the post or 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 at the, or at the high post catching the ball close to the basket where he can just one rip move and get to the rim, and they have the floor spacing that that's that makes it impossible for LeBron to be guarded. Like, and we know that. And typically they can still defend with that lineup very well. Exactly, but yeah. they can't. They can't. They're not doing a great job. Shane Battier is 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 struggling right now with David West, and I don't think that's going to change much. So it, it looks like I think they're going to have to go with Haslam some more. 
um, if David West is continuing to get big minutes. And I think they're going to have to, I think they're going to have to get into a bruiser match with Indiana in order to beat them. And uh, I know LeBron's equipped for it. Um, I know Dwayne Wade's equipped for it, but I'm not certain that everybody else on the Heat is is equipped for that type of for that type of physicality and that type of matchup. And and to me, I think Indiana can win this series. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'll probably it'll probably have to be a game seven miracle in Miami, but I, I'm not counting Indiana out. I'm not. I'm, I don't feel like. I don't feel like I'm denying the inevitable, and and I'm riding with my Miami pick. But but I I just see a Pacer team that is similar to that Dallas Mavericks team that beat the Heat two years ago. They're not they're, they they have one very very good player, and they have him surrounded by a bunch of other good players, like decent players that play their role well. But they're physical, they play pretty well on defensively, and they can score a little bit. So like this is <laughs> this is not going to be as easy as we all thought. I think I think this is saying that this series won't go to seven. You would be you would be kind of kind of lying to yourself. Like I, I think you're 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 selling the Pacers short if you don't think this thing is going to go seven. I, I personally strongly believe that it's going to go seven, and I think the Pacers are going to get this game three. I think they're going to get this game at home and put Miami in a position to play with their backs up against the wall. And I don't mind seeing that because we've seen in last year's playoffs with with the Boston series how LeBron tends to snap out when he feels like his back's against the wall, and I want to see that. So go Pacers. Yeah, yeah right. I, I, I feel like I, I feel like it's it's it, it, it may come for me. Honestly, I, the only way I'm giving Indiana a chance is Dwayne Wade. And then you know, Jay, you just said it, you know, he he's not he's not the Dwayne Wade of old. That much has been evident. Um Tommy mentioned it to me even after the even after game one where Dwayne Wade really came on late and, and you know he, he scored about uh, I think about six points in that fourth quarter. Uh, he was aggressive and they were going to him. Um and he made some nice plays there down the stretch in game <laughs> one. Um but it, it it he can't just cruise along. And that was something that I think Tommy mentioned to me after game one is that, you know, LeBron's doing his thing, obviously has guys involved, other guys, you know, and in game one more guys were hitting shots than in game two. But Dwayne Wade's kind of just cruising along. I don't think Dwayne Wade can cruise along much longer. Um, he goes six for 14 last night, really wasn't all that active there toward down the stretch. Um, if it's If Dwayne Wade is not Dwayne Wade, I I will I will give that's that's the one thing the one factor that for me gives Indiana a, a, another advantage on top of the you know the size and the things that we talked about with the with the physicality. Um, you rewind back to last year's playoffs, like I said in those conference semifinals, Indiana took Game Three in Indiana. Miami came back in Game Four. LeBron and Dwayne Wade combined for seventy points, <laughs> tied the series up, and go on to win the next two games and win in six. And and it was just it was it was heroics to the T. The LeBron, Dwayne Wade, just switch off, flip a coin. Who wants to take it this time? Like, and and it, it was that it was that simple. I think 
I'm with, I, I do agree, Jay, because I do think that this year's Indiana team is 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 a little more battle tested. I think they're a little more confident. They have a Lance Stevenson who, although makes very impulsive and often very wrong decisions, he's aggressive and he's fearless, and that's really the type of mentality you need going up against Miami, right? Um, yeah, it, it, it gives it gives them it gives them that chance. Um, so, you know, interesting. Any final thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals from, from anyone? Tommy, you got any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say I'm looking at a stat right here, and LeBron only had – he had 36 points. I'm I'm looking at it saying LeBron didn't have that good of a game because I know how LeBron can impact a game on, it, on its entirety. He had 36 points on 14 of 20 shooting, made three three-pointers. But the key stat I'm looking at right here, he had three assists. That's the that's the effort that the Pacers put into. I feel that from game one to game two, they, they said let LeBron beat us scoring wise. Just don't let him get anybody else involved, and that's that's evident with Haslam one point, uh, Chalmers six point, Daddy Daddy missed wide open looks, but he only took three shots. Um, Ray Allen six points. So you know if if LeBron just gets his other guys going. I think they'll be fine. That's why I'm I'm not really disrespecting the, the Pacers, but I just feel that, you know, like many analysts have said, the the, the Heat had the best player on on the on the planet as well as in the series. And if he just plays like LeBron James, they they, they should be able to handle they should be able to handle um the Pacers five or six games. Yo, Tommy Tommy, I, I hear you. I hear you. But LeBron, LeBron in this in this conference final in these two games, he's averaging he's averaging 33 points a game in the two games, um, seven assists and nine rebounds, and this series should be 2-0. I honestly feel that way. I, I feel like I feel like Indiana should have gotten that stop, and and in game one. And I and I really feel like this series should be 2-0. And LeBron, I mean, he's still playing off the Richter. Like he had 30 points on 20 shots, like like last night. He had 36 on 20 shots. You know, he shot 14 for 20. Like LeBron is doing what he's supposed to do. And I'm scared that he might actually begin to like get into that Boston mode again that he did last year, and really like, okay, now I'm gonna really wow out and go for 45 because that's what I have to do. And 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 I and I'm I, there's no doubt in my heart <laughs> that he that he is more than capable of doing that. But if you got LeBron playing this efficiently, you know, triple double in the first game that they should have lost, and then 36 last night and they lost. Like, can you do you trust these Heat role players enough to say that you know once LeBron gets them involved? I'm sure LeBron probably should have had eight or nine assists last night if people hit shots. He had three because they weren't hitting shots. And to me, it's just like if he's playing this well and these other guys aren't picking up what they're supposed to do, then 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 the Heat should be nervous because it's not it's not like your star had an off game and you know he'll pick it back up. It's guys it's your role players that have to pick it back up. And last year the same thing happened and they did respond. You know, the Mike Miller yeah. game six and, and you know Shane Battier, the way he shot the ball last year in the playoffs, like they, those yeah. guys responded. Those guys are it's fifty fifty almost with them and LeBron as far as the Heat winning. 
So, you know, if if Mario Chalmers keeps stinking it up, which I think he will, because I hate Mario Chalmers. <laughs> if 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 Shane, if Shane Battier is getting beat up by David West, which he has been, and getting outplayed at that four spot, and if Ray Allen doesn't hit any shots and they can't find, you know, a spark somewhere with Mike Miller or Rashard Lewis or any of the other snipers that are just old chilling <laughs> on the bench all game, then the Miami's in trouble. Because, like, Wade isn't Wade. If Wade was Wade, then you wouldn't have to really worry about those role players too much. But Wade is not Wade. So, like, we're we're depending on the Haslam's of the world to, like, really start and, like, like, like not, no, no offense to, 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 you, to my son UD, but the Haslam's of the world are the guys that we're depending on right now for Miami to win this series. And the Pacers are a good defensive team. Like, they're letting LeBron do his thing, but they're like, yo, we're going to shut everybody down that we can control. I see Indiana's formula working out a little bit better than Miami's right now, and that's what's scaring me because I, I, I want Miami to win. I've been cheering for Indiana. But I want Miami to win, so it's just <laughs> it's, it's it's cloudy right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I really I feel like I feel like I see Tommy and Jay kind of saying the same thing at the end of the day, though. What the Pacers are doing is just is working, and I think Tommy, that's a very good point you made. The the when LeBron is driving to the rim, you know, they're giving him a little bit of room to take those shots. Because the alternative to them, like, giving him a little bit of space and totally collapsing on him is they're giving out, like, I mean, LeBron is possibly the best passer in basketball. And he should have more than three assists. And those extra five, six assists, I mean, that could be 15 to 18 points just because of the guys he has around him. I mean, they they certainly didn't have great shooting nights, any of the shooters for Miami. But at the same time, they weren't taking very many shots. Mario Chalmers only took six shots, Shane Battier took three, Ray Allen only took five, Mike Miller took one. Like, the, the Pacers are doing a very good job of making it the LeBron show and not allowing him to get everybody else involved because that's how the Heat win. The Heat win by everybody pitching in, and LeBron is that catalyst. If he's, he can, they can let him score his 35, keep the game in the 80s and 90s, and really have a shot at winning this series. I think another another big stat, I think that three assist stat was important. I didn't really notice that uh, that Tommy made. I, I think another big stat for Indiana was last night they they committed 13 turnovers. Um which is which is a good number. Uh if if you mm-hmm. know, you know number. basketball mm-hmm. and in the NBA, I mean that's a great number. And any every time they've committed 19 or more turnovers, including in game 1, they've lost the game. Um and, and you know Again, I I agree with Jay. I think Indiana should have won that game one. I think that last play was the epitome of pathetic on the part mm-hmm. of Paul George in terms of in terms of last second defense, in terms of just defensive principles in general. I I, I think I could have defended that last play better. Um, you could have. However, I, you could have. I, <laughs> you probably would have stole that pass for real. <laughs> I played on the inside like I was taught, yeah. like I was trained, yeah. as opposed to yeah. going high side and you know okay. But I think the turnover number is important. And, again, 19-plus turnovers. Every time Indiana has committed 19-plus, they've lost in these playoffs. And they shave it down to 13 last night. They look much – they looked – I mean, aside from a couple really wild Lance Stevenson drives, um, their decision-making was, was a little bit better. They didn't get great shots down the end, but at least they got shots. They weren't turning the ball over careless 
just giving it away, which was we saw a lot of in game one um, down the stretch. And you 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 do like that they're giving themselves a chance, though. I think you you guys all touched on on important points there for for that series. Um, if there's a, if there aren't any other final thoughts for the Eastern Conference Finals, I want to move west and talk about what's going down between San Antonio and Memphis. Um, game three tonight in Memphis. Uh, San Antonio obviously has the commanding 2-0 lead. Um, just briefly to kind of kick off, I think something that me and Jay talked about last week, which I think we've seen thus far, is the the fact that San Antonio kind of just ha- just has a little too much offensively for Memphis. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about, Jay, the fact that Memphis had kind of a, a, a little bit easier time with Oklahoma City without Russell Westbrook out there. They were able to zone in and, and focus in on Kevin Durant and focus on shutting him down because he was that one sole dominating force. With San Antonio, mm-hmm. you have a lot of pieces coming at you, and they come at you with a relentless offensive attack headed by Tony Parker, who Mike Conley describes as just the Energizer Bunny. He says he just never gets tired. So he's coming at you for 48 minutes. You've got Manu coming off the bench, um, who who still hasn't really come on yet in these playoffs, but he his contributions transcend statistics. Um, and, you know, you've got Duncan playing well, at, but I think you know for Memphis, it's obviously discouraging. Zach Randolph has only made seven shots in in this series so far in the first two games. He has been borderline. Uh, he has disappeared pretty much, and you, you look for him to have more of an impact, obviously. But uh, what do you guys think? Jay, I'll start with you. Game three tonight in Memphis. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do you think Memphis responds after going down 0-2? Um, I think they're they're a tough-minded group, so I'm I'm definitely I'm looking for them to win this game at home tonight. Um, as far as this series goes, you know, and I've watched I've watched the first two games. Um, it looks like they have nothing for the Spurs. They can't. They cannot guard the ball screen. They yeah. cannot guard this ball screen. And yeah. and the Spurs do. To, it's like the sneak up ball screen where like Tim Duncan. He he's not actually on an angle. He's just behind somebody. And then they consistently isolate Tony Parker with a big man, and he is eating them alive. Yeah. And if they cannot figure out a way to either double that ball screen and get the ball out of Tony Parker's hands, or they're not going to fight over screens because he's too fast. So that's not an option. So they're either going to have to get under screens fast enough to close out on them, or they're going to have to start doubling these screens because he's carving them. He, he literally carved them up for 18 assists the other day. And I, and I promise you, Martin, 12 of those 18 assists were something off a ball screen. Like it, it's yeah. just him creating. And, Spurs are surrounding them with shooters. They have Memphis spread out like they haven't been spread out the whole playoffs, Pause, And and there and and Parker is carving them up. They have to start doubling this man off a double off a screen. He, they they have to uh, to like give themselves a chance and they just got to hope that they can rotate fast enough to the shooters out there cuz they can't have him carve them apart every game cuz they they might get swept. But I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for Gasol, who's been play, who's had an okay series um, so far. I, I'm looking for Gasol and Zebo to really take over this game inside because that's Memphis's strength. That's what they that's that's their bread and butter. Connolly does enough to get them over the hump, and you know they 
they have the Tayshawn Princes and the, and the other veteran like twos and threes that help them. You know, Pondexter's playing well. Jared Bayless is kind of streaky, but he can give them good minutes. But Martin, what what we talked about last week that I've seen heavy is just the depth of the Spurs just possibly being too much for Memphis, and um, I, I just I just don't know what Memphis has for them. So it's definitely about slowing it down for Memphis and maybe shaving down the final point total. I think with that final scoring game, too, 93-89, if you can't score 90 points, you, you're in trouble with the Spurs. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, even even looking ahead, I think, you know, you don't want to – you don't want to, uh, uh, you know, jump to conclusions. But if it were to be a San Antonio Miami final, I was talking to Tommy about this this week. It's all, it's, it would be an interesting factor because you're looking at, and with the two series, you're really looking at similar formulas going against each other. The high octane offensive attack of San Antonio against the gritty ground defensive style of Memphis, and then you know the same thing in the East with Miami and Indiana. So if we were to see a Miami-San Antonio clash, it, you know, you're looking at two high-octane offenses that want to get up and down. Obviously, you know, we'll get into that in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the finals. Um, but for Memphis, obviously, it's about, you know, slowing it down, like you said. And, and maybe they would have to keep it under the 90s for them to have a chance tonight in Game 3. Um, so it, definitely that's an important point there, Jay. Uh, Tommy, I know this isn't your favorite series, but uh, give us give us your thoughts on the Western Conference Finals thus far. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on with Memphis, man. I picked them to win this series in six games, and it, it clearly goes to to the fact that I like offensive basketball. So picking these two series is like, you know, picking my my two my two least favorite candies. My two least. You know, <laughs> it's what, what Jay was saying about the. The, the ball screen, which is eating up Memphis alive, it's it's just something that Memphis cannot counter unless they double it immediately because Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul have are two of the most non-athletic bigs in, in the league. <laughs> they're they're effective at what they do, but mm-hmm. their foot speed, their foot speed, they just cannot keep up. I mean, maybe you can throw in you can throw in a Darrell Arthur for some more minutes. Maybe maybe Ed Davis, uh, UNC. Brad, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's just it, what Jay said. It looks like they're about to get swept. It, they have nothing. It looks like they have nothing for uh, San Antonio. Even with Zach Randolph, he hasn't gotten it going. But it's because he's, he's, he's being put in positions defensively, which is taken away from his offense. And then, then offensively, he's being guarded by the greatest power forward of all time. Which, mm-hmm. And he's complimented by a guy with Thiago Splitter, who has good foot, good foot speed, who has good energy, and it's just, you know, Memphis is built to to, to handle a team more so like a Miami, more so like an OKC, uh, a team that that tries to get up and down and they can frustrate you. But the Spurs can play both styles, and mm-hmm. it just looks like they have too much for for Memphis. I'm really worried about them. I think that ground game that we talk about with Memphis, with their bigs, um, I, and I think the pick and roll situation, that was a huge thing. That I'm glad, you know, Jay and Tommy, I'm glad you both touched on that. Um, and in terms of the ground game, like you said, Tommy, what the Memphis bigs do so well, and I think I told you this this week, I feel like from what I've seen, the San Antonio San Antonio's bigs are, are very similar in the fact that they're not athletic. You've got a Tim Duncan, you've got a T. 
Jack Splitter, uh, Boris Diaw goes in there, Dewan Blair a little bit, but the the Tim Duncan, Tiago Splitter, I mean, their front line plays close to the ground just like Memphis's does. And San Antonio has almost beat them at their own game in that sense because you don't see guys catching tip-in dunks. You see guys just trying to tip the ball up because they're <laughs> none of them are athletic enough to just go up and grab the thing. They're kind of just playing volleyball in there. And San Antonio's bigs play volleyball just as well as Memphis's does. So it's 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 like a battle of the trenches down there, which is you know one of the highlights that we talked about um, with this series. Uh, Lawrence, your thoughts, uh, what, what you've seen from the Spurs and Grizzlies series. I mean, I think, I think overall the, um, it's really been the Spurs depth that has really just overwhelmed Memphis. I mean, they, they are still, they were fresh out of a very long series where they started off down 0-2 and, and they, I mean, weren't necessarily in a good position. And at this point, at this point, it, it really just seems like the Spurs have too much for them. I mean, we're, we're all saying the same things about the Memphis's bread and butter being going inside to Zach and Mark. And when they're not necessarily able to do that because of the bigs that San Antonio have to continually throw at them. And like and like Tommy said, it's not like Zach and Mark Gasol are just like speed dims that are just going by. People are using athleticism to, to get past their guys. These are guys that need their energy. They, they're physical, physical type of, of post players. And they have to be able to... The, if you continually throw fresh bodies at them, it's just going to wear them down, and that's what the Spurs have done. And they, like you said, the if you can't score ninety points against the Spurs, you're not going to be able to win. I feel like the Spurs are going to take care of business on schedule. <laughs> um, so definitely, um, what we'll look for tonight, Game Three um, in Memphis, um, strong points all around. Um, anyone else have any final thoughts on the Conference Finals? Yo, Molly, I got one thing. I got one more thing to say, right. and I'm going back yes. to this Indiana. I'm going back to this Indiana Miami series. Hit now, up. there's one thing that I want to I want to know if you guys have noticed. Have you guys noticed that Indiana is not scared of Miami? No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm serious. I'm, I'm being I'm being dead serious. I don't, I, I don't think that one player in on the Indiana team or in the front office from the coaches to the janitors in Indiana. I don't think anyone in Indiana thinks that they cannot beat the Heat. I'm serious. I, 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 they, they, they're fearless. They they think that they're a better team than the Heat, yo. I'm, ser- I'm, I'm dead serious. That's what I get from watching them compete against the Heat. It's not that they're – What's up? I, I think you got to give Frank, Frank Vogel a lot of credit for that as well. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yo, that's why this series is going to go seven. That's why this series could go either way right now because Indiana, they're not playing to compete. They're playing to beat them. They actually think that they're a better team than the Heat, and it's and it's crazy. Yo, last night, uh, offensive uh, efficiency rating for, for teams against the Heat, all right, 123.1. That was the highest offensive efficiency rating against the Heat since February 1st by the Indiana Pacers. Wow. They're not scared of these dudes, yo. They're coming <laughs> at them and they're not they're not trying to they're not dulling down the way they play. 
They're not trying yeah. to slow down because they're playing Miami. They're not playing anything but Pacer basketball. Yo, it, it, this is not a game anymore. <laughs> it's not. Agreed. It's not. It's not, yo. Agreed, and that stat is definitely telling to that point. Uh, I could I couldn't agree more. That's definitely the mindset that we're getting from Indiana from these last two games. Um, I, I would have to agree. I couldn't agree more. And Tommy's right. Frank Vogel, even Brian Shaw there as an assistant. Um, th- their coaching staff and their their mentality as a as a unit is certainly encouraging um, going forward against Miami. Um, uh, thank you for sharing that that stat, Jay. That was definitely that that's. That pretty much sums your point off completely. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that's that's a very telling stat for sure. Um, so we'll we'll have our eyes on the conference finals. On uh, of course we'll be back here uh, next Saturday to recap the events and and, uh, and 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 analyze the the games from the NBA playoffs as we as we have this entire postseason. Um, before we wrap up our our first segment, um, just real quick, I want to point out that you know the WNBA season. Officially tipped off last night, um, India, the Indiana Fever um, going for their title defense, obviously, uh, played against San Antonio last night, won their first game. Um, tonight, uh, you have uh, the Tulsa Shock going up against Atlanta. Um, Tulsa, obviously, had the, the draft pick, Skylar Diggins, a very important piece for uh, for the WNBA. And then uh, the New York Liberty debut tonight with their new head coach, Bill Lambeer, against, uh, against Connecticut. So, when Griner's first game, first game for for Brittany Griner, um, a big season for the WNBA as a whole um, mm-hmm. in terms of personnel, in terms of uh, talent distribution. And uh, I think I actually will write something up about the anticipation for this WNBA season. Um, it, I think it should be a good one. Um, my eyes are on the New York Liberty, of course. My surrogate sister, Kathy Pondexter, goes after her third championship this year with Bill Lambier as head coach. I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops as well. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll have some stuff to talk about on this show in the coming weeks in the WNBA season. Um, let's wrap up our first segment. Um, we're going to go to our commercial and come back and talk a lot of music. Uh, we'll be right back as a collective. Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Boom 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and 
Yes, we are back with the collective. Um, Martin Sorey's here as your host. I'm here with my co-hosts Tommy Hill, Lawrence, and Jason Reels. Back for another week talking sports, talking music, talking all kinds of good stuff that we like to talk about. Um, our show is loosely based on our several blogs, basketballfeed.blogspot.com. Uh, televisioncinema.blogspot.com and this next segment our new segment what we hear is loosely based on our music blog whatwehear.blogspot.com where you can find song features reviews and all kinds of cool stuff uh, so getting right into our music segment we want to start out with our coveted our new segment what we hear which again is based on our music blog also called what we hear and at this point we want to open up to any live listeners or callers that might be listening um, who want to call in and share with us what they're listening to, what's on their playlist. Um, again, any and all genres are appreciated. If you know anything about the collective, you know that we cover, we try to cover all bases. Um, so please feel free to call in and just let us know what you're listening to. Um, T. Hill, I want to start with you because this is your first time with us for our What We Hear segment. Um, start us off. Tell us what you what's what's on your playlist. What are you hearing this week? You know, man, uh, I got a chance to catch the end of the show last week, and Jay put it best when he said uh, he was talking about situational music, and that's kind of the way I listen to music on a week to week basis. Um, I got a little bit of a uh, when I'm at home chilling. I'm I've been listening to that new Daft Punk Daft Punk album. I got a chance to check that out. I'm very impressed with that album. I had, I'm not a big Daft Punk fan, and I had no idea what to expect. And the way, the way they came into my ears, it, it was just like, I mean, pause, but it was. <laughs> I, I, I felt like I was listening I was like, to Earth, Wind, and Fire. No. <laughs> I felt like I was listening to a reincarnation of Earth, Wind, and Fire. It, it was just though. like the instruments that they used, the the tone, the it brings you, there's some songs that just hit you. For instance, Touch, I was listening to it this morning. It, it brings you, it brought, for me at least, it brings me in a range of, motion, of emotions that I, I didn't think I still had. And I'm just listening to the song through its entirety, and it just brings you up and down, and, and the thought process is, is, you know, it's just it's a great album. Listen to uh, J. Cole, uh, Truly Yours Still. And you know, just a lot of radio music. You know, I just I like to I like to see what's on the radio from time to time. So that's they they're always playing that new Juicy J track and the and the Kendrick Lamar uh, Trick Don't Kill My Vibe. So I I'm, I I go back and forth between what I download and, and radio music. Good stuff, uh, Lawrence Reels. Yeah. What are you hearing this week? What has been on your playlist? Um. Well, that that um, Travis Scott uh, yes, mixtape or or LP rather uh, Al Farrell, yeah, uh, that dropped in. And I mean, we waited for for a while. It's kind of funny. He became one of those artists on his social media that every single time he put something up, all of his fans just would respond. So when's the album coming out? So when's the album coming out? So when's the album coming out? Like it's just repetitive. So he's one of those guys that's been pushing this back for a while. So. At this point, I was kind of annoyed that we had to wait this long for it, and I wasn't necessarily sure what to expect. Uh, the last few releases from Travis Scott, I was kind of iffy about, but this album is pretty good, man. It's, it's, 
it's not necessarily going to be some of the best or most profound rapping you're going to hear. What he kind of does is, I was talking to uh, Black Nate about this, what he kind of does is he he takes a bunch of flows or styles that are popular now, and he does well enough with them. Like, he does a good enough job with them to where it's not, like, unbearable to listen to, but his production is absolute next level. I mean, he... Uh, when he first came out, he got comparisons to Kanye. He worked with Kanye. He first kind of hit the scene on on the Good Music uh, collaborative album, the uh, Cruel Summer on Sin City. And I mean, he'd been rumored to do some production on Mercy, and he did the Sin City track. So we knew he was a beast of a producer, and he's pretty much proven that with even the releases before this with the songs that he's put out i mean they haven't necessarily been like overwhelmingly good rap songs but the production is ridiculous and then a full piece of work from him and a full like collection of travis scott beats is is a gem right now so it, it's something that i feel like you should you should at least experience once um, yeah, you took one of mine. I had Al Farrell on my on my list as well. Um, I've I've been. I I kind of I kind of figured you did. I I knew you would. I mean, you should. We both should. <laughs> yeah, we both we both kind of kind of delved into it around the same time this week, and uh, yeah. we listened to a lot of it together actually this week. We did. Um, we did. You touched we on did. all the points though. Production for me, I was gonna say the production in terms of if you if I mean if you're gonna listen to Al Farrell. Uh, yeah. in, in terms of what to expect, I literally I have no problem in saying second to Kanye West production wise. Um, it, with, with what you expect from Kanye is obviously always great. Um, in terms of if you're, if you're talking about rappers and, and, and talking about what to expect from a project, I would say expectation wise, production wise, because as you, you touched on the the. You know the rapping wise, it's not it's it's strongest point, but production wise, yeah. I'd say second only to Kanye West, um, and and a lot of it really is Kanye esque. I mean, you almost I let my brother hear a couple songs and he thought it was new Kanye. Um, yeah. So that that's how similar it is, um, for sure. Al Faro, I had I had two two projects uh, before I go to Jay's playlist. I'll just share mine real quick. I had Al Farrell on on my playlist as well. Um, I have two songs and two projects. Um, the two songs, uh, one of them is comes from Tommy's number one man, Wale. Um, the Love Hate Thing single was released this week. The second release track from his upcoming album, um, The Gifted. And if anything, guys, this is a very good sign for Wale. If you haven't heard the record, um, you need to hear it. It's it's a it's 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 a Marvin Gaye sample. Um, uh, I'm drawing on, a blank on, on the name of the feature, but it's very smooth feature, very smooth sample, and it's where Wale thrives. I'm critical. I've always been critical of Wale because I started Come out on, as man. a Wale fan. It, <laughs> <laughs> I started out as a Wale fan, and, and this song, Love, Hate Thing, is better than every song on his first album. Every song. Come on, man. Every song, on, no man. questions asked. This song is better than every song on Ambition, and and the the first single release was the bad record with Tierra Thomas, which has been doing really well. It's been really well accepted. <laughs> Apparently, he's getting more. He said he's getting more soulful on this next album, and this love hate love hate thing record is is completely exemplary of that. And so for me, it's a good sign for Wale. I'm encouraged by this song. Um, so I, I'll I make that case, you know, 
Tommy, Tommy leaving his man out to dry, and I, I had to make the case for his man Wale, but that's definitely a record that's been on my playlist. Also, the Gifted song on French Montana's new Excuse My French album, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, the song with The Weeknd with French Montana, I, I enjoy it more so because of The Weeknd. It's more of a weekend song than a French Montana song, which is actually a good thing. It reminds me of the song on Wiz Khalifa's ONIFC album, the Remember You song, which is another example of a song that I only liked because The Weeknd was on it. Um, but it's just a, it's just a record I, I, I've enjoyed. I've, it's been a go-to. I reviewed the Excuse My French album, and, and so I've had to listen to it a lot. But that particular record is one that I've gone to personally in terms of just listening pleasure. And finally, the other project I have up, <laughs> Jay. <laughs> Trap House, Trap House, Trap House, Trap House, Trap House, Trap House. <laughs> Gucci, Gucci. Trap House 3, y'all. <laughs> listen, Gucci, mate, listen, I, I've, done, yeah. I've been doing a lot of writing the last few days, and when it comes to, when, I, when I'm writing, I like to do some easy listening. When it comes to rap, there's no easier listen than Gucci, mate. There's no lyrics that's going to make you, like, think about something else that's going to take you off your mental track. It's all heavy 808s, trap music. I mean, it's it's easy listening, and it's stuff you can rock your head to and rock your shoulders to, and for me, it serves as really good just kind of uh, kind of just uh, a, a, kind of like a, just a dull setting for me to just kind of not think about anything and just write to some really hard trap beats. So, Trap House 3, um, the hardest working man in the business, Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> Another trap house installment. So I, I've been I've been bumping that this past week as well. Um, Jr., give us your playlist. What have you been hearing this week? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so I've been, I, I feel like I've been I feel like I've been in New York. I've been in Philly for uh, all week where I stay at, and I feel like I've been in New York because I've been listening to nothing. Nothing but the homie French's album. That's it. That's yo. That's it. I wake up. I've been waking up to it. I've been I've been listening to it all day. I got my iPad now, so I'm walking around with my iPad using it as a stereo system, like back in the day. And I got it on my shoulder. And the only thing I'm playing is French. That's it. And, and, and you know, I've, I I don't know. I know we're gonna talk about the album later, so I won't get you know too deep into it. But I I love it. I, I love the whole album. Um, one song in particular, and it's funny. I know Martin probably was expecting me to say this, but French Montana has a song called Trap House on the album, and I've been I've been jamming to it all week, all week long, and and you know it's 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 that you know it's the the trap flows, the trap beat, the the trap metaphors. And, and, you know, I love it, along with a bunch of other songs on the album. Me and Martin have been been texting each other lyrics from French Montana's album all week. California, fun. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's cool. It's cool New York hip-hop, which which is everything to me. So I've been enjoying that a lot. And, um... I also have been listening to the Daft Punk album. Um, Martin brought it up last week, and um, I pre-ordered it, and it dropped on Tuesday. So I've been listening to that, and one song in particular. Um, it's called The Game of Love. All right, 
and well, and <laughs> it's funny that I'm saying French Montana, and then I'm saying this, <laughs> and then I'm bringing up this this Daft Punk song. But I'm I swear, yo, it's it's electronic music meets Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like it, it, it it's boom. it's absolutely it's absolutely soulful. But it's electronic music, which you would never ever think could be soulful. You don't think that there's any soul in electronic music, but these dudes found a formula to bring that out. And and I swear, when you hear the guitar riffs, when you hear any any part, if you didn't hear the word to the song, you would think that it was some 1970s funk, like slowed up funk, like love song. But it is it, it's phenomenal, and and you know them them doing their thing on it. You know I've heard, I've read some reviews on the album, and people are saying that you know it doesn't sound like house music. It doesn't sound like Daft Punk. Like no, they it, it doesn't sound like Daft Punk. But you cannot deny the quality of this music, and and they just put out a very very good project. Um, I know Martin touched on it last week, but I've just been I've been digesting the French Montana album <laughs> and the Daft Punk album this week. And it's such a contrast, but that that's that's music for me. It's never one lane. It's it, so um I've been listening to uh Trap House, French Montana, you know what I'm saying? And The Game of Love by Daft Punk. Um two albums that I, I think you should get if you like download or buy, you know what I'm saying, whatever you want to do. But I, I think those are two projects that people just need to hear right now. Um, and uh, that's, what I, that's my playlist for this week. Um, just so, just in case anyone is wondering or is confused, um, th- this, is partic- this is exactly why I have the people that I have with me here on The Collective is because of that, that fascinating segue that Jason made between French Montana and Daft Punk. Um, that's what it's all about, and that's really what this segment is all about going forward: is incorporating different genres, different sounds, different ideas, and you know, just sharing those ideas. And then, as Jason said, it's the beauty of music, uh, situational music. And then, again, the reason why I have these particular co-hosts here, it ain't I didn't just close my eyes and pick some random contacts out of my phone. Now, I, I mean, I, I picked avid listeners, I picked uh, avid thinkers, and then. Uh, um, but Jay's remarks uh, <laughs> really um, <laughs> exemplify that as to why that's the case. Um, going, I, I, you know, Jay, I want to go right into French Montana um, and the Excuse My French album. Um, you know, just open it up for discussion. Um, again, you know, I, 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 I finished my review of the album yesterday, put it up on our blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com. And I, I think the main thing for me, um, and, you know, I want to get all you guys' thoughts on this. And, I, you know, I, and and it, not not to – I really, I, I really want to get – not that I don't want to get everyone else, but I want to really want to get Lawrence's thoughts because, you know, it, it's like every listener is different. And 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 uh, I think I think Jay and I kind of resonate on the ratchet surface, <laughs> and Lawrence is there too. Has, as much as he wants to deny it, Lawrence is there too. But he, but you know we all obviously we all bring in di- different takes. But for me, for the excuse my French album, I think it does exactly what it's supposed to do very well. And yeah. it doesn't really do much more than that, but I don't think it has to. I, I think you get a little bit of I, – I think you, you you get a little bit of versatility from French Montana. And I, and I mentioned it in my review. I think I, – I, I don't think he 
I don't think it's fair to say that French Montana is a one-dimensional artist. And I think he's close to that, but I think he just makes the cut because, you know, we've heard a lot of uh, many French records where it's, a, you know, he'll incorporate really humble cadences and, you know, he'll sing little parts and little hooks and catchy phrases and melodies. I ain't worried about nothing. Like, he has a knack <laughs> for song making. Mm-hmm. Um, as a rapper, in terms of his content, now, his content may be a little one-dimensional um, in terms of what he's rapping about. Um, which is kind of okay because you you know what to expect from French Montana, but you it, as a whole, excuse my French. I, I think, and again, he he made the prediction that this was going to be the album of the decade, which I think we can all agree is completely false. But sure, I mean that's 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 beyond bold. That's that's borderline psycho. But it is it is an album to enjoy, and I and I think it meets the expectations that you would have for a French Montana album, but doesn't exceed them. Uh, and and, I, and that's okay. I mean, I, I graded the album, I gave it a B, uh, a deserving B, I think. But it, again, it, I think what separates it from like a great rap album are, are those things. Uh, you know, the content is kind of narrow. The production is, is, is you know, expected. It's awesome. It's high octane. It's trap. It's It's club. It's your typical French Montana. It does what it does well, and really not much more for me. So that's kind of my take on the album. Uh, Lawrence, I'll go to you first. Uh, you know, just give us your thoughts on French and, and the album, and, and you know, just give us your give us your thoughts. All right. So, so the French album, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I can't say that I don't like it because I do, and it, it's very much so situational. But that's kind of how French is. French is a, is a situational rapper. I mean, unless you're Jay, and Jay's just a killer. Jay's a goon. So Jay, wake, Jay, wake up. I, let me tell this story real quick. I was on Twitter when I was at work yesterday morning, and it's like nine o'clock in the morning, and I refresh my feed, and the first thing I see is like a two-bar French Montana tweet from Jay. Like that's what he wakes up to. Like that. Like he's about this life. So I. So so if if I was Jay, I would love this album. I would absolutely love this album. But it's situational for me. I I I, I calm it down a little bit. The Jay Jay the, the trap house. There's some bangers on it though. Don't get me wrong. There's some bangers on it. That the the Wu Tang sample one is crazy. Um, I like the I. I like the um one with uh Mavado. What what's the Mavado joint called? Uh, oh, that's what happens tonight. tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that joint. And like you said, I mean, I, it's it's a lot of high octane stuff. It's like it's jump around stuff. It's not necessarily there. There's a few smoother joints that I kind of can't get with. I I kind of can't get with French singing. Like I I feel how French Montana fans like get with French singing, and I think like Sanctuary off Mac and Cheese Three. He sung he sung on that, and that was cool. I like that. But at the same time, I, I, I'm not going to be able to listen to that all the time. So a few of the joints I could do without, I, I definitely see how it could have gotten a B. I would maybe B minus. Like it, it was, a, it was a good album, and and it and it, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And it's supposed to be an album that has a bunch of club singles, that has a bunch of songs that he can shoot videos for, that has a bunch of songs that are just going to be like hood anthems that are just going to knock. Like the joints that you ride around to, but I, I mean, it, it, 
French isn't the type of rapper that you want to that you need to necessarily necessarily sit down and digest. So it's it, it's a lot of. I mean, it's weird to say that it's like easy listening because it's far from that because it's like it's so high. But at the same time, it is just easy listening. It's good, like mindless listening. It's like it, it's just like, yo, I just want to hear someone just jump on a track and just kind of swag it out and talk about whatever, like 100,000 on my wrist. And like, you just want to hear that sometimes. He's hating. Yeah, I'm not hating though. I'm not hating though. <laughs> I, I like French. I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying so hard. I like French. I like what French does. I understand why people love French. I don't love French. I don't. I I just don't love French. So listening to the joints, there's there's a few on there that get me. There's a few on there that don't. But I'm. I'm I'm not saying it's a bad album by any means, because it isn't a bad album. It, it's cool. It's a lot of good songs. It's a lot of cool songs. It's a lot of joints that, that if if you turn up Tommy, those are your joints. Those are your joints right there, because you're you in the club. I know Tommy Tommy going to be in the club, the French on heavy, heavy. But but no, nah, it's a cool little album. I I I give it to French for I give it to French for because he did what he was supposed to do. He didn't like he didn't disappoint by any means. So I I give it to French. It's it's a cool little joint. It's something that that people should at least have should be at least be able to listen to because like I said, in certain situations, it's everything. I think I think something you touched on, you know. Before we go to other, I, something I mentioned in my review and what I feel is still the case is that French is still pretty much an acquired taste. He and is. He is. He's not. He he, is. You know, he's not someone that you that you can force on someone and say, "Yo, this guy is." You know, this guy is dope. This guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, it, it's situational, and it's it, everybody isn't gonna love French. Sure. The, 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 right. That's a, not everybody can listen to. You know, uh, got got two got two got two women, Molly and Aquafina. <laughs> you know, how, good how good is that? How good is that though, Jay? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so it, it, it. All right, I think I think Molly's cutting out a little bit more, a little bit. A uh, few technical difficulties here. Hold on well, with us. About the, um, Go ahead. Yeah, what's well, up? Well, French Montana and Montana in general, I haven't got a chance to listen to the album. But what, El, what you just said, for that exact reason of turning up, that's the reason mm-hmm. why I haven't listened to, it, listened to it yet because I haven't been in the situation of situational mindset of turning up for the past few weeks. So I, I've stayed away <laughs> from it, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. But, um, my, my one homie, he put a... He put a funny comment on on Martin's review in our in our Facebook group. He put, "I don't see why so many people like his music. If this was ten years ago, he'd be an unpaid intern at Bad Boy getting Diddy coffee." <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like you know, he's an acquired taste, and like like I don't love French Montana, but I like his music, and it's definitely situational. So you know, it's right about that time when the, when the good weather is about to hit. And I'm gonna definitely give it a listen, and, and he's probably gonna be a part of, of a few many nights that I'm gonna turn up this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to it when when the time is right. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I can't mm. just throw on French for just to throw on French. <laughs> <laughs> but, nah, Jay, I, I mean, you're a different breed, man. Yeah, yo, Tom. I'm trying to tell you, J of these, yo. So I'll just I'll I'll kind of respond to Lawrence's comment. So there if there are songs on the album that aren't that are very good songs that to me, you know, this is obviously all personal opinion, completely objective. But there are songs on the album that don't sound like a French Montana song. That he does really, really well with. Like he has a song called "Drink Freely," um, that I sure I'm, I'm positive will be in the club. It's it's kind of a song for the for the ladies. Like he's he's doing Drink that crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know Molly. Molly know. Where he's like, it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like he's singing, and he has like another R&B singer. Uh, nah, that's my son life. Rico. My son Rico Love on nah, there it's too. Not life. It's not and life. it is life. It is. It's like it's, it's different. And and and. I talked to Martin about this. I feel like for someone that that kind of is put in a bubble in that trap music bubble, his album is fairly versatile. It, it, there's there's a little bit of something for every, for every occasion and everybody on this joint. I just gravitate to the trap stuff, so that's why it seems like you know I'm just all day turn up. But like I, I listen, I've listened to the whole thing through a few times. Um, and and you know I I do put French Montana in that currency type of realm where it's like you either really like them or you're you're really kind of iffy about them. There's really not much middle ground with French, and you know that's fine. Like if somebody said that, yo, I don't think French Montana is a good rapper, I'd probably be like, word. Like I don't think he's a great rapper either. Like I feel you. Like I hear you. Yeah. But but I like I like that he has he does he knows what he does well. He kind of sticks to that formula, but he's able to be creative out of it. He kind of has opened it up with this album a little bit, and I appreciate that from him. Um, so it, it, it'll be, I, I think, as the summer goes on, it'll be, it'll be something that you know you, you'll hear so much because it's gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna be on, you know, the Hot 97s heavy. Like New York is really behind French, I feel like, um, in that Max B wave. So I, I, I think it's something that like will start to grow on you if you don't like it at the initial listen. Um and and that's pretty that's pretty cool. Good stuff. Uh we we try to keep it objective obviously, but but it, but you know, of course our opinions are what drive the discussion. Um and and I'm glad we get a you know a multitude of of opinions and thoughts on uh Tommy wrap us up on French Montana. Uh, have you got a chance to listen to I know Several singles have been released before the album, uh, but have you got a chance to, to listen any more of uh, Excuse My French? No, I didn't. I, um, I, thought, I think you were cut off when I was talking about it. Okay. But, um, yeah, what Jay said, I don't think he's, I don't think he's in the same category. Well, he's in the same category as a, as a currency. But currency's a much better rapper than Yeah, but, no, you know, I agree. But, no, I agree. I, I, I was gonna I was gonna mention that, but I think Jay I think Jay is talking about in terms of like the middle ground in terms of people. No, I understand what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I would agree though. I think currency's light years Way better, better than Prince Montana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely give spit at the edge there. Yeah. Um, so if we if we if we can uh, segue now into kind of the more pressing topic of our music segment, uh, gentlemen, it is Yeezy season. Um, we are approaching season. we are we are approaching the June eighteenth date. Um, 
and 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 we'll you know we'll get to that the implications surrounding that June 18th date now for uh not just for Kanye but for hip hop as a whole um going forth for the rest of the year um Jay and Lawrence you know it's only fitting that you guys start us off with this because uh it was announced last night that Kanye would be projecting more videos of the new slaves video um uh, on, on the projections on the buildings as he did uh, a couple weeks back. Another lo- uh, location, Philadelphia, was the location confirmed for last night. Lawrence and Jason were on site, um, saw the video firsthand. So, um, you know, I'll open it to you guys to start us off on our discussion on uh, Kanye, uh, the Yeezus album. Uh, also, another point to touch on, which I'm sure, you know, Lawrence will get to, uh, the, the, the supposed leaked track list. For Jesus um, is now out. Um, we it, it hasn't been confirmed. Obviously, there have been um, a multiple, a couple sources. I, I can't. I, I've read I've read a, briefly this morning on it about how it came about. But uh, apparently, a, a picture or a, a tracklist has leaked. Thirteen songs. Um, some very interesting features in there. If you look at it, I, I'm I'm like I told Lawrence this morning. I'm about 80 to 85 percent sold on it. Um, a couple features I really want to be true. A couple I could do without. You've got Tyler the Creator on this supposed track list. You've got James Blake in there. You've got Jay Electronica. Um, so uh, in terms of the songs themselves, uh, it, it looks pretty realistic and pretty believable so again Yeezy season much to talk about with Kanye Lawrence and Jason I'll open it up to you guys uh first I guess just share what it was like to experience that last night all right I'll start us off so yeah we we saw the tweet yesterday afternoon once we got off of work and and um I I I jumped on the horn right away made sure I let everybody know that we were going to have to we ended up standing out there for about 45 minutes in the end. out there. Uh, Lawrence, you're you're cutting up a bit. Um, not sure if we've lost uh, Lawrence or not. Um, I don't I don't have him coming in here. Um, but uh, Lawrence and Jason will share their their experience from last night. Um, are we here? Tommy, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tommy or Lawrence and Jason, I think, working through some uh, technical stuff on their end. Um, so they get the new Slays video. Uh, uh, Tommy, I guess, go to you. Give us your thoughts on on just the recent events with Kanye, the SNL performance, the new singles. Uh, again, it's Yeezy season. So your thoughts on Kanye thus far? Man, I'm not big on Kanye like y'all are, to be honest. I listen to his music and I respect him from from an artist standpoint and what he brings to the game. I don't knock him for any of that. The album name is really Jesus, you said? It is Jesus. That is the album title. See, man, <laughs> that, that's a, that, those are the type of things I wish he would stay away from. But like you like he mentioned with the features that he's bringing to this album, I, I expect it to be you know something 
something that, that that's really going to hit the scene hard and hit the scene heavy because that's what Kanye usually does. I just, you know, I just look for, I look for his 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 lyrical content to really come out and grab me, like it did back in back in the college dropout days of, of when I was really really listening to Kanye heavy, uh, the graduation. So you know, with Kanye West, um, you know he's a musical genius. He's not my favorite rapper, but you know I, I'm definitely gonna take a listen to the album and. and and I'm 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 intrigued by by what he's gonna bring as far as a different sound or you know because he's always he's always testing the boundaries when it comes to different sounds different you know different different cadences of his, his raps so you know we'll see we'll see what about this Yeezy season. Have you had a chance to hear uh, the the two singles, New Slaves or Black Skinheads? No, I didn't hear I didn't hear either. Um. Yeah. I mean, when you get a chance, definitely. I think everyone should to, should take a chance to really watch. I mean, just go on. You can go on Twitter and type it in. Go on YouTube, but find one of the projection videos of New Slaves that he did. Because, and again, when we get Lawrence and Jason back, they'll share their experience last night. But the fact, I mean, I think people really overlook the historical aspects to what Kanye West did. Something like that, I mean, let's really put this thing in perspective. 66 locations across the world. I mean, we're talking Berlin, Amsterdam, Chicago, Los Angeles, everywhere. And it's just Kanye West, a rapper, and it's just his face projected on the side of random uh, buildings in these locations with rapping his, his new song, New Slaves. When you talk about the monumental aspects of this, this is something that only... Uh, and and this is real. Michael Jackson is the is this is some Michael Jackson type of stuff. When you think yeah, about right. when you know like when you think about what he actually did, projecting the same video across the world, that is some Michael Jackson, really otherworldly top level type of music stuff. And the best part is that he's a rapper. Like I was saying that to to, to Jay this week. What other rapper? can really do that. I mean, not even in terms of capabilities and finances. I'm talking about just in terms of the impact. What other, I mean, what other artists, really? I mean, you're you're right. What other artists could really do that? And I I mean, I think think artist-wise, I think you might have some other people that who, who, who might be able to, like, accomplish that and get that done. I just think in the context of rap, it's especially significant because Rick Ross could never do something like that. Uh, 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 I wouldn't say – I wouldn't put it past Jay-Z, but but again, it's something that only Kanye can really do. He brings rap music to the forefront. And and if you watch if you watch the 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 Saturday Night Live performances, particularly the Black Skinheads record, you kind of get a sense of the collective no pun intended, but the the, the collective musical effort that's going into this because Black Skinheads as performed was uh, kind of like a psych rock song, but he but he is rapping. He does it in a really in a way that works. But uh, you get a sense of kind of the. I mean, the overarching messages that Kanye always uh, applies to his music. Um, I think we've got Lawrence and Jason back on the line, if I'm not mistaken. Are you guys back with us? We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. Uh, Lawrence, start right, start right where you stopped off. You were waiting where, for 45 minutes me? last night? Oh, yeah. So we were waiting for 45 minutes, and um, eventually 
a bunch of people started to leave, but uh, we we hung out. Uh, the time tweeted out was 9.45 to 10.45. So at this point, it's about 10.37, close to 10.40. And we're like, all right, we're getting ready to head out. And the van pulls up, projection pops out. And, I mean, it was awesome, dude. There was, there was probably about 100 people there on the sidewalk with us. But, I mean, phones came out instantly. It was it it really speaks to what this album really is about to be like it it's it's a changer i i caught martin toward the end saying that like no other artist could do that and and that's almost that is almost the truth like what other artist can realistically just tweet out a map with dots on it and say yo be there at <laughs> this time and like i'm not going to tell you what's going to happen but you just better be there and like people show up like it, it's it's kanye and um yeah, man, I just, I, about the album in general, I, I was saying, I mean, I got cut off and I kept talking for about five minutes. I didn't realize I wasn't on the air, but this, this album, man, it, it means so much. And I hold it particularly dear because, I mean, as, as all you guys know, Kanye, I would, I would go on record to say Kanye is my favorite artist ever. And, and I say that. And I I can also say pretty confidently that he hasn't missed that when it comes to an actual album. There's no misses. There's there's nothing there's nothing that can be really questioned. There's nothing that was like eh, it could have been a little bit better. It's like it's, all of his albums were great, and and I don't want this to be his first miss, and I think it's gonna be his first miss. With the track list that came out this morning, it it kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I certainly don't want to hear Chief Keef on the album. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie to you, I I, I don't really want to hear Chief Keef. I guess if I have to, I have to, but I'm not necessarily interested in it. I don't necessarily want to hear RZA rap either. I'm not I'm not biased to to Chief Keef just because he's young. There's oh I don't I not necessarily interested in hearing a RZA verse, and I and I saw that he was on there, but maybe that'll be the song that I'll just play the least or something like that, or maybe the production will just be crazy. That James Blake, J Electronica feature stopped my heart, literally. I mean, that if, if there's a Kanye, James Blake, J Electronica song, I need, I need everything to do with it. I need everything to do with it, because that sounds like that's going to be everything. Um, Jay, uh, your thoughts um, from the video last night and uh, and on Yeezy season? Um, it was, the the video last night was very very cool, I, and I did I felt like I was I was a part of a little bit of of, of hip hop history, you know, here with that, you know, it's the first type of thing like that to ever happen, um, sure. you know, across genre, but especially in hip hop. And and it was a, and and it was for the fans and 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 it was and it was awesome. It was cool. It was great energy. It was like I was. I really felt like I was going to like a little Kanye concert. <laughs> like even though he wasn't there physically, like I felt like it was just a mini Kanye show. Um, and uh, it was it was just cool. I, I I'm I I am a huge Kanye West fan. I am a Jay Z fan. He is my guy. Um. You know, Lawrence, we, we joke about Lawrence and his love for Kanye all the time. Like, yo, we were in a burning, crashing plane, and Lawrence had two parachutes, and it was me, him, and Kanye. He'd probably throw Kanye one like, oh, we out, son, and jump out the <laughs> joint. 
Like, uh, like, like Matt Lawrence's guy, and and for good reason, and for good reason because he's you know we use all these terms, yo, but he's an absolute beast, and and his creativity, and and his thinking is obviously on a different playing field than everybody else, and and that what we saw last night was just kind of an example of 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 just how creative. And 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 how groundbreaking, pretty much anything that he's a part of right now, like actually is. Um, so for me, it was it was it was very cool. You know, got plenty of videos and, and pictures and all that good stuff. I was one of those guys, but it was it was it was cool to see in person. You know, when we saw it last week, we were just like, oh, like whoa, like that's crazy. So to actually get to see it for yourself, you know. We were standing right in front of the projection van, like when they pulled up. Like we're from Jersey, and nobody else like pretty much recognized the van. But me and Lawrence saw the van go by, and we saw Wayne, New Jersey, and like New York, like Expo on the van, and we were like, "Oh, that's it. There's, they got Yeezy in there." So like it was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a big build up as a, you know typical Kanye fashion. I knew we were gonna be waiting out there for longer. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was a, it was very cool. Um, and. I, I want to say that I think this track list is kind of iffy that we saw today um, for a few reasons. Um, one being, if you haven't heard, but 2 Chains has been talking about his features on this album yeah. for a while. Yeah. And 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 I don't think there's any way that Kanye leaves 2 Chains off of this album. And there's no Kanye, there's no 2 Chains at all. There's none. Um and and there's a couple other like like songs that I feel like that we heard about like the 88 keys joint I don't see on here and I've heard some I've read some things about that so I'm I'm kind of iffy about this track list um, even though it kind of does look legit I, I'm I'm kind of iffy about it I don't think iTunes would make a mistake like that and put up the track list so um, I'm kind of indifferent about this track list but if it holds two um, for me. I'm really looking forward to that Chief Keef joint. Like, Chief Keef. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to even lie to you. Like, Chief Keef, RZA, and Mace is easy. Like, yeah, like uh, come on. That's just going to be wild ratchet. It's going to be, I think it's going to be crazy. I think, I, I don't know how Chief's verse is going to be, but I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to enjoy it. I think Lawrence will probably skip it for real. We, but, um, we we do know that Chief Keef was in Paris. He was in the video with Pusha T on numbers on the boards in Paris. Yeah. So we know he was there. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, I'm I'm I hope that comes about. Um, I'm definitely look, trying to hear. There's a song called Hypercritical featuring Tyler the Creator. Um, I think it would be interesting to hear a Tyler Kanye like mashed up kind of production with both of them bringing their styles together and what that could possibly even sound like, I don't know. But, I, but I'm but i thinking that it's going to be a a absolute, like, gem. I think, I think it might be, like, one of the more standout songs on the album from looking at this track list. Um, but for me, aside from the features, I'm really, like, looking forward to listening to all the solo work, um, like all the songs where it's just him. Um, those those seem to be the songs that I really really enjoy from Kanye. It's just him spazzing for five minutes. So uh, yeah, but last night last night was pretty epic, man. And it was and it was and it was cool. 
and I, and I'm for me, I'm what I took from it was that was something that he's doing for his fans, um, and possibly the best promotion promotion tactic in music, especially in hip hop ever, ever. Best promotion like move I think I've ever I, I think we'll ever see um, in hip hop. Like how like what much what what else do you do to promote an album besides play your video for free? You know, on on major buildings in major cities, like across the world. Across the world, you know, he did, he did when he was in Chicago. He did the the Cubs uh, Park. Um, you know, he did Franklin Institute in Philly, which is a huge like you know staple in Philly. Um, he did like uh, Paris and and Sydney, Australia. Like it's the best promotion ever. Def Jam, Def Jam. Def Jam, like I guess, I guess Yeezy got him by the neck now, and they gotta just do whatever he <laughs> tell them to do. But um, you know, brilliant, just just brilliant, brilliant stuff, man. Um, circulating from that, let's talk about this June 18th date and the implications for that. Uh, we didn't get a mm. real chance to touch on it last week, um, and you know, when it was announced that J Cole's album was moved up from its original June 25th date to now a June 18th release date, the same day that, that Yeezus will drop. Um, I, I heard from Lawrence and Jason the day we heard it, uh, the day we heard the news, and they, they were adamant about the fact that the night before they actually uh, foresaw that happening. Um, and and <laughs> it's really funny because I heard from both of them on that day saying, yo, we literally called this. Like we were talking last night and saying Cole is going to move the album up to the 18th. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally, I, I think that was really insightful just because, I, you know, I didn't really think of it that way. I feel like I kind of I may have been just caught up in the Yeezy season too much to remember uh, uh, Born Sinner, but now – J. Cole's album, Born Center, will drop on the same day, June 18th, and kind of, well, not kind of, but literally on the back burner is Mac Miller's album, which also comes out on June 18th. Um, uh, I moved actually, by Mac Miller, Molly. And, and that is just, that's got to be the saltiest. I mean, uh, you know, Lawrence and I <laughs> talked yeah, about, about Mac this saltiest. morning, and he, you know, like, Lawrence mentioned it this morning to me, you know, and it's true. He has his following. The people who are going to buy Mac Miller's album are going to buy Mac Miller's album regardless of J. Cole or Kanye. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are Mac Miller fans and J. Cole and Kanye fans. I'm sure there are people who are fans of one and not the other. I mean, it it, it fluctuates. We all know that. Um, but, again, it, it's it's <laughs> – it's it's a little crowded in there for you, Mac, on June 18th. It's a little crowded, but uh, to go to the forefront of it, you know, I want to get you guys' thoughts. Um, uh, and you know, I know we we talked about kind of the comparison with the dynamic with 50 Cent's Curtis album around when Kanye West's graduation album came out. They had their kind of little moated feud going on, and they ended up dropping their yeah, album bad on move, the same 50. day. Bad move for bad, bad move, move Fiddy. Um, so, uh, you guys' thoughts? I mean, I, I think I'm of the mindset. I, I really think that I I like the fact that because I think it shows. And J Cole said it. He said, "Listen, I've worked too hard for my album to not come out on the same day as Kanye's." And I love that mentality. I think from a competitive standpoint, um, that's the best way to go. And I'm not I'm not really sure. If, I don't think more or less people are gonna buy it because of the, the the date change. I really don't. I think the same I, I don't think 
there's any more or less people thinking about buying it than they were before with the original release date of June 25th. Um, but it is a very cool thing because as Lawrence touched on, uh, we were talking this morning, we are, we are, I mean, based on what we know, what we expect, we should be getting two classic hip-hop albums on June 18th. Um, and that's special. So uh, what do you, I want to get your guys' thoughts on, on the implications for that June 18th release date. Yeah, so I actually think that the J. Cole move is is one of the more impressive moves we've seen out of young Jermaine as to date. And, I mean, obviously it takes a good bit of confidence, but when you listen to J. Cole's content, right, and you listen to what he actually talked about, you, you'll you see that he legitimately cares about this music thing. He, and he, like, legitimately cares about putting out a quality product for his fans. And, you know, he 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 understands that what he did with Side Story was not the right move. He understands that, and, and he's made it very evident. He just he has no references to it. As a matter of fact, on Truly Yours 2, when when he talks about um, the album, he's like, if, if you don't like the album, then speak when you see me. I'll refund you. Like, he, he knows that it wasn't what it was supposed to be in. And with with him pushing a Born Center up drop the same day as Jesus, I feel like what he's saying is, I know I can compete. I, I don't know what Kanye has in store, but I know what type of con- animal Kanye is. And he kind of said that with his tweet before he announced it, where he said Kanye was like one of the greatest musicians of our generation. I mean, which is which is the truth. But I, I feel like in him saying that, he's saying, like, I know that Kanye is one of the greatest in our generations, but I got some crazy, crazy stuff for y'all. And I honestly, I, I am of the mindset that we could very well get two classic hip-hop albums on June 18th. J. Cole's move is as exciting as anything else I've I've heard other than other than any of the Yeezy season stuff realistically. Did J. Cole moving it up put him back in the conversation because him dropping a week after Kanye would have been an afterthought. Miller Yeah. It's still an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. Mac Miller bull. But J. Cole and Kanye, right? Like real hip hop. Like actual like guys that are that are gonna be able to put out things to where like we know. You know, like we know that it's a good chance of it being a solid solidified bank. Like you like they these guys have the ability to put those together. So them dropping albums on the same day and Cole said, you know what, I know Kanye's everything. And I know Kanye like Kanye's like an idol of mine, but I know I can compete with him. I'm gonna put mine out the same day. Tells me that J. Cole has confidence in his. I'm I'm hoping to see a lot of J. Cole actually producing on his tracks. I I, I like the fact that J. Cole when J. Cole made his own beat it's a complete it's a complete J. Cole experience and it and it makes it like he knows yeah, he, I mean if you make the beat it caters to you exactly. If you're making it for you, it caters exactly to you and he knows what he sounds good on and he does a good job at doing that and and his sound is starting to develop. I feel like we've heard that a lot more with the last two truly yours. There's some songs on there that if they were on maybe like Friday Night Lights or Sideline Story, we would maybe think a little bit highly of those of those pieces because there's some there's some very very good songs in both of those. So I I'm super excited. 
I feel like if you're a hip-hop fan in any way, shape, or form, you have to be kind of, like, pooping your pants at the at this point right now. Like, we're about to get everything in a few weeks. And, I mean, realistically, I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but I'm 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 hoping for a leak. I need that, like, now. I need... I need both those joints yesterday. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a leak. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep it G. I'm gonna keep it G. I'm gonna pirate it. I'm gonna go to the store and buy it. I'm gonna go to the store and buy it when it actually drops. I haven't, I haven't missed buying a Kanye album since late registration. I, I didn't buy College Dropout, but late registration on, I bought hard copies of every single one, and I. I, I plan on keeping that tradition, but I'm gonna go get this J Cole album as long as I get the leak, and it's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> so I, I think you make a good point there, though, with with J Cole's decision. Um, the fact that he does move it up to the day of Kanye's album says everything. Son, about he knows how confident what Kanye is. In the project. Kn- yeah, yo, he knows what Kanye is. Like he he's not stupid. He knows what that means. Like he has to he has to perform. He had to perform, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't make himself look like an idiot. Um, definitely a. It's a pressure cooker too. I mean, it's it's. Mm-hmm. He's he's making it so he's saying, "Listen, I, I want to be judged on that standard." I mean, he's bringing mm-hmm. himself to that mm-hmm. to that standard for us to 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 look at him though. But it is. I, I think you make the good point though. It's encouraging more than anything else because it shows that yeah. he has that ultra confidence in it for it to be coming out on the same day of a Kanye album. I mean, that's supreme confidence right there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy, what do you think? What uh, what do you think about J. Cole's decision? You like the move? You know, with this move, it, it just reminds me of the NBA playoffs. It reminds me of Paul George <laughs> realizing that LeBron James is the superior Bring the it all together. Player. He's a superior player. <laughs> he's at the top of the game, but he's ready for mm-hmm. it. And he's mm-hmm. ready to embrace this challenge. He's ready to step up. And I, I'm I'm excited for that. I didn't even know that, and I'm I'm very happy that J Cole is, has done that because he's earned that right with with the, his production, with everything he's put out, and like El was saying, he puts his he puts his heart and soul into this music. You know, from from the references he, he relates to in his raps, from the samples he uses, it, it's just I, me as a fan. I'm looking more I'm looking forward more so to the J Cole album than the Kanye because. J. Cole's I'm, not music. I'm serious, man. I gotta be with <laughs> I you. I hear you. I hear you. J. Cole's, J. Cole's music resonates with me more as mm-hmm. as a as a person no, as where I'm at in my life right now. So Kanye, yeah, Kanye, that. I'm not taking nothing away from him. You know, he's LeBron James, like I said. But you know, Paul George is ready, man. Tommy, <laughs> yeah. I bring it all our segments together in one. Bring, bring <laughs> it go. all together. <laughs> Um, Jr. J Reels, your thoughts on J Cole's move? Um, well, first of all, Tommy, I, I didn't get that great analogy. It couldn't get much better than that, and then uh, I, I feel bad that I got even follow that up because that, <laughs> that that hit the nail on the head. that really hit the nail on the head though, and 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 I I think it's a obviously it's a bold move. It, it's like they come out the same day as Kanye West. Any genre, like you. First of all, you're basically saying, "Yo, I know I'm not gonna be number one on the charts for my like. Like, I know I'm not gonna be number one, and I'm not gonna make number one selling money. But, but I know that my album can compete. 
And, and maybe this is what J. Cole needed. Like, I feel like this is what he did for himself. And I and I honestly I feel like this plan from Jump Street. I, I don't think I don't think it was that big of a surprise. Um for 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 the people inside. I felt like they were just waiting for him to announce it. I honestly feel like this has been something like if you're gonna re- why would you release an album a week after Kanye West's album? First of all, Kanye West's album is gonna dominate this summer. The video that is dropped at that time. You want to be weeks, if not months, <laughs> after Kanye's album to give it time to die down before you release any music, especially a major album. So to do it on the same day, you know that kind of that kind of, that that makes sense to me. And, and that's where and when me and Lawrence were talking about it, you know, the night before, I was like, Yo, why would he? Why would he do June fifth? Like, why? That doesn't make sense at all. And and I was like, he's gonna have to push that album up. He's either gonna have to push it up, or he's gonna have to push it way, way back, and get, and give himself some time to to really be heard. But you know, it's gonna help his album sales, um, definitely, because you know, if people are gonna pick up the Kanye album, I feel like people are gonna pick up that J Cole album, and and I would encourage people to do that. I think you definitely should. I think June eighteenth could be a, a record day in hip hop. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a day that, you know, possibly 10 years from now, you know, we're talking about we're talking about the state of hip-hop, and we could say, yo, remember when Cole and Yeezy dropped Born Center and Yeezus on the same day and how OD that was? I think that's what that, that, that it could be. And I'm, and, and I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm, I'm with Tommy in a way that, I feel like I'm gonna. I I think I might digest J Cole's album before I do before I before I really listen to Kanye because I think it's gonna resonate with me a little bit more. It's like Kanye's like like upper echelon talent producing rapping like elite 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 elite, and J Cole is the guy who's still in his grind mode like he's still climbing the ladder slowly like he's still and 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 that type of that type of grind is what I kind of am am more prone to, to, to be drawn to because I feel like that's the same I can relate to it more. Um not and I'm not and I'm not and, and just like Tommy said, I'm I do not think that still there's no part of me that thinks that J. Cole album J. Cole's album is gonna be better than Kanye's as of right now. But I'm not gonna put it. I'm not gonna be biased and put it in, and put that possibility to the side, um, especially if I can relate to it more. And that's what hip hop is all about, isn't it? So like, it, it, it's gonna be an epic, epic day. I feel like these are two short fire bang, like very, very good albums. Possibly we might get the best two albums of the summer on the same day. So, so like we've been like, like, like take advantage of it. You know, really listen to both. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I first listen to each of these albums. I'm trying to pick the setting. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I feel like I, I, Molly would, would know what I'm talking about, but I'm probably going to go to Easter Molly with this Yeezy album and sit out by the pond in the back, in the back of Walton Hall and just on a late Saturday night when it's cool outside and just really take it in, for real. Like, that's that's what type of experience I feel like that's going to be. And, and the J. Cole joint, like, kind of the same way. Um, and and it's just, it's going to be a good day for hip-hop regardless. So we should just embrace it. 
and 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 bold move by J. Cole, but but it's it's a day that we should all be very, very, very excited for because we may not see another day like this ever, ever again in hip hop, for real. Um, yeah, you just made me think of um if you recall, uh both Jason and Lawrence, the full disclosure, if if you remember, um when eight oh eights and heartbreaks came out, uh mm-hmm. we actually collectively purchased the album about three or four different times because we kept either reading it or like misplacing it. And each time we got a new one, we kind of we kind of drove to like a distinct location, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Took the album in and and you know kind of just went through it all over again. And I it, I know you guys remember that period because we were literally going yeah, back man. to Best Buy every other day going to get another copy of Eight Ways and Heartbreaks. Um, yeah. So uh, that, the same process, I'm sure, will be applied here for uh, for Kanye's album, Jay. Um, yeah. Good thoughts all around with you guys. And, of course, we'll be back here um, to discuss those albums uh, when they drop. As we hear more information, we'll come back here on The Collective. And as we always do, we will discuss, analyze, and criticize um, uh, good thoughts all around. So uh, unless there's any final thoughts, uh, we're going to wrap up our music segment Go take our last commercial, come back for the last about 10 minutes, and um, I'm going to spit out a couple a couple new developments in, uh, in, in, in television, a couple new television series that will be coming on in the fall. I want to get you guys' reactions to those and um, talk a little bit about uh, The Hangover 3, what people are saying about it, um, as well as a couple other uh, news bits from movies, which I'll get you guys' reactions to, and then we'll wrap up. Um, so we're wrapping up here for our music segment. Once again, based on our blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, and we'll come back and wrap up our show. It's The Collective. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. So, we are back with the collective coming in for our final segment here, um, which we really don't do justice on a weekly basis, but we're here now for our, uh, about 10 minutes left here of, of airtime. Um, our final segment here is based on uh, the television and movie blog, uh, televisioncinema.blogspot.com, uh, where you can find uh, TV and movie reviews and latest news and reactions uh, from me. So, uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of TV, and if you've ever tuned into this segment of our show before, you uh, you know that I, you know, I'm tuned into my shows. If you've seen our blog, uh, 
you know about the shows that I'm watching, the kind of stuff that I that I tune into. Um, I do a whole lot of reading um, each day. Um, the first thing I do really when I wake up is go on my feed and 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 read articles in. I mean, whether it be in sports, in music, or uh, TV and film, because again, I watch a lot of TV and I and I and I love my movies, so I do a lot of reading in those areas. Um, uh, I I've learned of and it's been announced and signed on for this fall. Um, Tommy, you can probably appreciate this. Um, I have a pretty distinct kind of uh, preconceived opinion of this, but um, ABC has signed on a TV series called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which will be a derivative of the Avengers series, um, but on television. Uh, there won't be the major superheroes, obviously won't be involved. It's meant to be based on um, new uh, a new and unknown kind of uh, superhero type of character, so it's kind of like a mid-level uh, shield operation. Um, they bring back um, Agent Coulson, who actually died in the Avengers movie, but apparently they're bringing his character back, and apparently they will provide some kind of backstory as to how he survived. Um, if you saw the Avengers, he died at Loki's hands um, there towards the end, but they're bringing him back. He's kind of the central focus of the show and um they're kind of you know marvel and and this whole movement is is coming to television so um i'll have the trailer up and further thoughts on it as it comes up again it's signed on for abc this fall uh tommy what are your thoughts about this i know i just shared this with you today um but at first here what are you thinking about this you know man anything dealing with superpowers gets my blood going so, you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be tuned in. I'm gonna see what it's all about. But um, you know, you would look for for me as a as a, as a superhero fan, you would just look for the the characters to be well developed, and you know, for the storyline to be interesting, and, and to keep you interested if it's gonna be a TV series. That's what I would look for. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I think I think it's 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 a challenge for them to bring something as monumental as the Avengers and this whole Marvel superhero movement. Uh, I think it's it's kind of it's almost a gamble I think to bring that to TV because you've got to have the right producers you've got to have the right people on it to make sure it looks the right way and like you just said you've got to develop storylines you've got to introduce characters that make people want to keep watching because I mean when you think of Shield I mean basically this is like a knockoff version of the Avengers and so people who are really into that may just see this as, you know, some kind of television spin-off, knockoff that is kind of unnecessary. So, uh, you know, you look out for that. I will certainly be watching. If I'm not mistaken, it, it will be airing on Tuesday nights this fall on ABC. Um, I look forward to seeing what they do with that. Um, it was also announced this week. I don't know if, you, uh, if, if you're a 24 fan, Tommy, but 24 has been confirmed as returning um, for next summer. Uh Jack Bauer is back in action, and let me tell you, I couldn't be more excited um, that they're bringing this back. Uh, Fox has reordered another another uh, another season, which they bring back. Obviously, Jack Bauer, and 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 full details haven't really been disclosed yet, but there is a script. Kiefer Sutherland is involved, and um, it should be pretty epic. I'm hoping they don't butcher it because 24 ended on kind of an epic level um, a, a few years back, and Fast forwarding now, it's almost see it really kind of looks like a, a safety ploy for Kiefer Sutherland because he had a, a show called Touch um, uh, on Fox that really wasn't doing well, and and it's hard to even look at Kiefer Sutherland without thinking Jack Bauer, 
And so in that sense, you kind of understand the move, but you do want them to uh, do something active with that because uh, something as good as 24 shouldn't shouldn't be tarnished. Um, I want to touch on uh, the Hangover 3 real quick. And I say, uh, Jason and Lawrence, do I still have you guys with me? I'm, I'm here, man. Jay's here. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to touch on the Hangover Three. I, I I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm 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 disappointed because I I try not to read too many reviews before I see a movie because it, it kind of just jars your opinion off that. But um, I, I you know I, the two movie reviewers who are really go tos for me, who I, are just great film critics that I really. Uh, whenever something comes out, I go right to their sites and, and read what they're saying, and that's Scott Weinberg and Peter Travers. Uh, Peter Travers is from Rolling Stone, and uh, <laughs> Travers' comments about Hangover 3 was that it leaves you with a hangover from the series. Um, and apparently, apparently they've butchered this trilogy, and it, it's almost offensive that they took this to a trilogy because, and you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago um, with the second one, and I know a couple of my co-hosts shared um, that they didn't particularly enjoy the nature of the second one. It didn't, it was, didn't feel like a substantive extension of the first installment, and now with this third one, it, it, it seems like it's being forced. And to go over to my other favorite movie critic, uh, Scott Weinberg, who tweeted probably the funniest tweet I've ever seen about a movie before. Uh, he said that the Hangover series is Chris Brown, and we shouldn't be trying to be Rihanna. <laughs> so <laughs> basically implying that we are that we shouldn't be the victims of what the Hangover is doing. The director has since confirmed that there won't be another one, uh, seemingly because of the terrible reviews that it's getting. But it's 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 disappointing, isn't it? Because the Hangover started as kind of like a real movement, and it sucks because now it's almost like, well, maybe they shouldn't have even done a second one. They should have just left it with the Hangover, and that yeah, and that as itself probably would have stood the test of time. Now the series is kind of tarnished, and and I know I'm kind of ranting here. We got just a couple minutes left, but you know, when you talk about a trilogy again with Iron Man three. Uh, I think I'm the only one of us that has that has seen it yet. Um, I've since read reviews on the movie. I've developed kind of my own thoughts on it. But the Iron Man series is also up in the air because uh, apparently Robert Downey Jr. is renegotiating his contract for the Iron Man series. He is confirmed to be part of the Avengers 2 for next summer, which is important for Iron Man's involvement, obviously. But the, the Iron Man series, as it stands alone, is kind of up in the air. And the producers, the directors, uh, which is interesting to me, are on the, of the mindset that they think the Iron Man story, they don't see why it couldn't be a Mission Impossible or a Fast and Furious in the case that they think there could be up to 10 Iron Man movies. Um, which would be pretty groundbreaking when you talk about the implications for for superhero movies. Um, so uh, again, um, just kind of general thoughts here um, from just a, a a humble TV and movie critic. Um, again, you find my thoughts on televisioncinema.blogspot.com. Uh, Jay, I did want to get your thoughts on a little movie news bit that I got. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's been confirmed that Drake and Kanye West are both participating in the Anchorman sequel. I did see that. There have been pictures of that. both of them with. There have been pictures of both of them released with afros. Uh, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> sure what that's really supposed to mean, but I, I will yeah. say this. I think that adds kind of a, a legendary addition to 
a comedy series that really gets it right. And I know, yeah. Jay, I know you really appreciate that first Anchorman. And coming yeah. back for another one, I feel like they're taking it to new heights. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I'm very happy, yo. I actually, um, I was on, um, I was on the blog, and I and I watched the two trailers, um, both of which were hilarious. <laughs> and and you know, it's just it, it's one of those it's one of those like the Hangover they messed it up. They 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 really did. They messed it up. And and we talked about this before. With sequels and you know third installments to movies, it, there's a very very fine line, and it's very line. difficult. And if you don't get it right, you could sabotage the whole thing. You know, like like I I really think the Hangover should have just been the Hangover, and there should not have been a two, and there should certainly shouldn't have been a three. It was too good to replicate. Um, and and it, and it made it seem like it was all about the money, which I I honestly think it was. But that first one was so good, like they couldn't have done it over. Um, Anchorman is is Anchorman <laughs> to me is one of the funniest movies ever. I put it in my top three easily. Um, but when you have a guy like Will Ferrell, when you have when you have um, you know Pete Carell and like those type of actors and those type of guys. They do that, like they they can they can replicate those roles well, and they know if it's good enough. I feel like they have the knowledge to know, like if it's good enough, then we'll do it. But if it's not, we won't do it because we don't want to sabotage the first one. So I think the second one is just going to be even better. Um, and I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to uh, my son Ron Burgundy swagging out for us one the more time. The return of Ron Burgundy, absolutely. <laughs> I would agree. I think we we look Anchorman two to kind of set the standard the Hangover missed when you talk about extending a comedy series. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep our eyes out for that for Anchorman two. Certainly, um, epic implications there, uh, incorporating Drake and Kanye West in who knows what way. Uh, but again, we'll keep our eyes on that. So uh, we're gonna wrap up right here with our show. Um, it's been another good week of discussion. Um, again, this is the Collective. I'm your host. Marie's joined by my excellent hosts and friends, Tommy Hill, Lawrence, and Jason Reels. Thank you for joining us for another week. We'll be back next Saturday. Shout out to the Keys 107. Shout out to Blog Radio. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my co-host. Thank you for joining me again for another week. Thank you for joining anyone who called in. And uh, the wrap for the collective. <laughs>